Teresa, choir, Pastor Edgar. We appreciate the way that you lead us into worship every week. Quite some time ago, it was decided that today we would deal with the topic of uh, pornography. It's a problem in our world. It's, it's proliferated society in such a way that uh, it's even affected the church. It's a difficult topic. Now, you may have noticed that Pastor Chuck is not here today. I think he's out of town because he didn't want to have to deal with the topic. Now, the reality is he's at Olivet Nazarene University today. Uh, he's there because um, he's receiving an award. You'll find out a little bit more about that next week when, uh, when Dr. Bowling will be here. He'll present the award once again to uh, Pastor Sundberg. We appreciate so much Pastor Chuck and Pastor Carla and their leadership. Uh, they really help us as a church, as a staff. Uh, we, um, I personally appreciate Pastor Chuck and Pastor Carla. I don't know if you understand, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. It talks about his leadership. I don't know if you understand how significant it is for a guy who's been around as long as I am to have someone stand behind you and release you to do ministry. And there's not a struggle. There's an empowerment to do the work that God has called you to do. That's a leader. And we have wonderful leaders in Pastor Chuck and Pastor Carl, and I appreciate them so very much. But today's topic is a PG-13 topic, and uh, it's about uh, pornography. We're going to deal very little, actually, with the topic itself. It will not be sexually explicit, but if you have a child in here and you would just not want to have to explain some things, uh, we do have children's programming, and if you don't know where they belong, uh, I think in the back in the foyer, in our main main foyer, um, we have people that will greet you there and, and take you to the places that you need to go. Turn with me into Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 5, and just kind of hold your finger there. You see, this topic of uh, pornography for many of us, it's an issue that many of us just simply do not understand. Uh, we're not involved in it, so we, we're foreign to it. I think sometimes as parents, we're naive to the places where our children can find themselves uh, having their first experience with pornography, whether it's through the Internet, through a cell phone. You know, I think of my cell phone, I'm not on the Internet, it's just a, just a regular old cell phone, so I'm not susceptible to having Internet uh, intrusions here, but the reality is I have a little SIM card. I could slip just about anything I want in here and review just about anything I want to watch. And so tonight we want to encourage you to come back. Uh, there will be a service that will deal with some of the media that our children have and the accessibility uh, to the pornographic in our world today. As parents, we want to do all that we can to safeguard our children. And so today we're dealing with this difficult Topic. Oh, my! This is the Bible. I don't know how it came on. I'm just going to turn off my phone. So you can use it for good as well. 
Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Just hold your finger there in the Scripture because I'm going to read several other Scriptures. We're going to have those up on the PowerPoint as we go through the message this morning. Uh, And then we'll get to the text itself a little bit later on after the introduction. Have you ever noticed the stuff in life that we tend to need the most are things that we tend to take for granted or at least overlook or ignore? Air, for instance. We don't wake up in the morning and think, is there enough oxygen to breathe today? No, we, we, we assume that there's going to be plenty of air throughout our day to make it through the day. We just live our lives and take it for granted that oxygen will be there for us. Or water, for instance. We have to have water to survive in life, just as we have to have oxygen to survive in life. But we often take it for granted. We go to a restaurant, we sit down, and there at the restaurant and the table, there's a glass of water, often a tall glass with ice in it. And, and we sit there and we often ignore it and we order another drink. We, we take it for granted. The things that are most important are the things that we often take for granted. For instance... On our spiritual journey, what are the things that we need the most? What are the most spiritual activities that we could be engaged in? Is it worship? Is it prayer? Is it reading scriptures? Is it spending time with other believers? What is it exactly that is the most spiritual activity that we should be engaged in? When we look at the scriptures, we discover that the most spiritual activity that we can be ever be engaged in is the power to choose. You see, before you pray, before you worship, before you serve, before you celebrate, before you give, you make a decision to choose to do each of those. You see, there may be no better description of what it means to be a spiritual being than our ability To choose. God gave Adam and Eve a choice. Genesis chapter 16, chapter 2, verse 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And so the story of God and man begins in the Garden of choices. Over and over again in the scriptures, God stands before his people and he says, I I give to you a choice. One brings life, the other brings death. One brings a blessing, the other brings a curse. I love the way that Joshua responded to the choice. When he said to the people, whom will you serve? Whom will you serve? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, the power of our spiritual life resides within our choice. Romans 12, 1 puts it this, this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. You see, we choose to present our bodies as a living sacrifice 
to God. It's a choice. It's the essence of what it means to be a spiritual being. The fact that we can choose God. I'm afraid that far too often we think that worship is what happens here on Sunday morning. But worship, according to the scriptures, is choosing God. Do you see it there in that verse, Romans 12, 1? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. Choose to give yourself, your being, who you are, all that God has created you to be, to God. This is your living sacrifice. And it is holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The scripture goes on to say, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, God wants to do the miraculous in you. In a world full of garbage and pornography and sexually explicit messages, God wants to do the miraculous And He wants to renew your mind. He wants to help you to become the person that He has created you to be. How does that happen? It says, do not be conformed. Don't be like everybody else. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you'll be able to test and approve God's will. How do I know God's will? By choosing God. By allowing God to transform me into becoming the person He has created me to be. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. I like the way Philippians puts it. You see, we are in the garden of choices. What choice will you choose? Do you choose that which is unholy or do you choose that which is holy? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is amiable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Do you see it there? Do you see the choice that is ours? We can be conformed to the world's pattern, Or we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, how does that happen? It happens when, brothers, we think on those things which are true. God's Word is true. We think on those things which are noble. God calls us to a life of nobility. We think on that which is right. That which is pure. You see, today is a message about choosing purity. That's the title of today's message. We think on those things which are lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. You see, we have the opportunity. That's what makes us spiritual beings is the ability to choose. Choose life. Choose abundant life. Don't choose to conform to the patterns of this world, but allow God to transform you to become all that He has created you to be. Choose, if you will, the narrow gate. For broad is the road that leads to destruction. 
Sadly, much of our world has not chosen the blessing of God, but instead, according to Matthew 7.13, they have chosen the broad road that leads to destruction. Researchers suggest that the porn industry has become as American as apple pie. Revenues from sex in the porn industry are more than the revenues from the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball combined. This year annually, $15 billion in revenues will come in from the porn industry. The most recent study indicates that one out of every two men who sit in a church pew in a given week observe pornography through the Internet. The average age of entry into pornography is the age of 12. In my reading this week, I learned that most of those entry points are not intentional. But they've learned how to entice young people. Recently, the FBI, in conjunction, this was just in October, and you may have heard this story, in conjunction with Innocent Loss National Initiative, rescued 50, 50 children who were being sold into sex slavery here in the United States. The sting covered 36 cities and included 631 arrests, including 60 pimps. We live in a world where corruption has become the norm. And as a church, we must choose purity. We must choose to make a difference in our society. We must choose to be faithful followers of Christ. I've had some experience with this sex slavery. Um, I had a young lady who was in the youth group at uh, the West Carrollton Church and uh, she got involved in selling magazines and we weren't too worried about it. And, and uh, she wasn't attending the church she had attended when she was a junior high in junior high and high school. But her junior and senior year, she was no longer there. But I had a relationship with her and her family. And, and I got this frantic call from a mother. And this mom said, we watched this show on 2020 last night. And they take these young people and they get them into selling magazines and they start in Las Vegas and they travel across the country in the northern states eastward towards Atlantic City. And by the time they get moved from here to there, the goal is to get these children into prostitution. And what they would do is they would entice them with the, with the, the opportunity to sell magazines. And it was kind of a pyramid scheme and your name would be entered in every day into this bigger thing and there was a possibility of winning a large sum of money. And so students would sign up. They would target students who were not happy with their home lives, who uh, couldn't wait to get out of the house. This, was one of, this young lady was one of those students. She couldn't wait to leave home. And then they start in Vegas and they move them Eastward, every day they're told as they get into the hotel room, nobody loves you, nobody cares about you, you're not worth much. They're given the opportunity to take drugs and alcohol and and they begin to beat down on them emotionally. With the whole goal being by the time they got to Atlantic City, they would be involved in prostitution. But this mother calls me, she's frantic. I'm afraid this 
piece we saw in 2020 is exactly what my daughter's involved in. How, how, do we, how do we deal with this? So I immediately got on the phone. I called my brother, who is a uh, chief, chief of police in Xenia, Ohio, and I said, Randy, how can I help this family? He, he immediately contacted a, a private investigator who contacted the family, and, and we began to pursue this young lady. They didn't know how to to determine what city or what town they were in, but they had a clue where they would be, what state they were traveling through. And so we sent out flyers in the Church of the Nazarene all across the uh, Michigan trying to find out where this young lady was. And within a few days, we got a phone call and said, uh, there's some kids in the neighborhood, they were selling magazines. Um, I think I might have seen the girl that was pictured on the flyer. So we contacted the, the investigator, and the investigator found out, found out for sure that's where this, they were and found out the hotel they were staying in that night. And we went, the uh, State Highway Patrol went and, and pulled her aside. They explained to her what was happening, and she refused to go home. They said they'd beaten her down so much. She was so involved in the drugs and the alcohol by now. She felt her parents just wanted to control her, manipulate her. We tried again on a second occasion. Again, she refused to come. You see, by now she was 18 years of age. It was her choice. She started out when she was 17, but now she was 18. She turned 18 that summer. Finally, on the third occasion, we were able to, we were successfully able to bring her back home. You see, it's a reality in our world today. It's hidden behind the scenes. But there's perversion all around us. According to the 2000 census, the number of unmarried couples living together has increased tenfold from 1960 to 2000. The majority of the people who come to our office for premarital counseling are already living together. More than two-thirds of married couples in the U.S. say that they've lived together before they are married. However, cohabitating couples are twice as likely for their marriages to end in divorce. You see, the sexualizing, the desensitizing of our culture is underway. And the culture expects the onlooker not to just tolerate and permit it, but to accept it as a moral right. But it's time for the church to speak out. And I want to say to you, it's not speaking with our words, it's speaking with our actions. Choose purity. You see, I think the only way to truly stop the vulgarity, the subtle and overt messages streaming into the minds of our children, our youth, and our adults, is for when men and women who are called of God, who call themselves Christians, to stand up and do that which is right. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8 says, those who sow to please their sinful nature, from the na- that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What type of seed are you sowing? Choose to sow the seeds of the Spirit in every relationship. You see, if the church will stand up and be the church, if we will stand up for what is right and what is holy and what is pure as individuals, it will be contagious 
in our world. And the church will make a difference. It's not going to happen because we've organized a movement. It's going to happen because individuals are so transformed by the renewing of their minds that they no longer want to settle for the mediocrity of this world. They don't want to be a part of compromising. They want God's very best. And so they choose God's best. Our text today is found in Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. It's a father, Solomon, speaking to his son. He's giving real strong fatherly advice, saying, Son, you have to stay away from the temptations of the adulterous woman. In the New Testament, we would say, flee from sexual immorality of all kinds. Stay far away from anything, from any perversion that might tempt you. Look with me at verses 8 through 10. The first point is, do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risk. Verse 8 says, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near to the door of her house. Least you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. Least strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. Stay far from her. Don't flirt with her. Don't get close to her. Don't pretend like it's okay. Stay far away from that internet site. Stay far away from that texting. Stay far away from that place where I'm communicating with someone who I do not know. And I'm developing emotional ties. Stay far away from her. Don't even go near to her door. Do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risk. The Father says, keep a path far from her. Here's the problem. We believe that the line of sin is over here at adultery, the majority of our world. But God tells us that the line of sin is way, 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 way over here in Matthew chapter 5. You've heard that it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that any man who looks upon a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his life. You see, it starts with the eyes and then the mind and then the heart. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, we must choose purity. This is the standard. It's not the world's standard. It's not the act. It's looking upon a woman lustfully. It's looking upon a man lustfully. It's, it's being involved in that which is not real through the Internet. God says... Stay far, far away from her. In Proverbs, we read, stay far, far away. Keep a path far from her. Do not flirt. Do not get close to her. Do not pretend it's okay. No, the Father says, stay, stay way, 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 way over there. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Guard your eyes. Here's a test. Ask yourself this. If we were to keep a videotape of you, and we record your actions all day long. The internet sites that you go to, the texting that you do, the conversations that you have at work. Would you be proud for your, your spouse 
for your parents, for your church to see that videotape? How have you behaved on that day? If all your emails, if all your texts was fair game, and your spouse, your parents were to look at it, your future spouse, would it say, yes, I'm a person of integrity and I treat those around me as a person of integrity? I'm an example of godliness character? Or would it say that you should be embarrassed at the way you talk to other girls or other women or other men? Would you be proud? For those of you who are single, if your behavior today was recorded and shown to your future spouse, would your future spouse be honored? Would this be an exhibit of how you're keeping the marriage bed pure? Let's be honest. There's a lot of people today in our society who are crossing the line of sin before they are married, and even while they are married. And every time you do so, you're cheating on your future spouse or your spouse. Because you're living outside of God's standard for you. Basically, building your life on a foundation of sin. Not upon the rock, but upon the sand. And if not confessed, and if not changed, this will follow you into your future. Destroy your marriage or your future marriage. The Father says, keep a path far from her. Do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risk. So real quick, five ways to radically reduce the risk. One, keep a growing, vibrant relationship with God. Two, never be alone with the wrong person or the wrong people or the wrong media. Never be alone with the opposite sex in, a, in an inappropriate place. Never be alone with the wrong media. For those of you who are married, never talk badly about your marriage with the wrong people. You see, I see it all the time. People allowing themselves to become emotionally tied to someone else. Oh, I'm going through a difficult time. Would you pray with me? Come on. Stay far from her. Stay far away from that temptation. Stay far from him. Four, surround yourself with strong marriages and fellow Christians. Surround yourself with strong marriages and fellow Christians. Be around people. Choose life. Choose to live a life of purity and holiness and find those people who also choose the same lifestyle. Surround yourself with strong marriages and fellow Christians as opposed to surrounding yourself with friends who trash talk their husbands while their husbands spend their time in the bars and the strip joints. Five, avoid all inappropriate situations. Avoid all inappropriate situations. Be careful of the trips you travel on, the places you go. I know in the business community it's very acceptable, but don't get caught in the trap. Avoid all inappropriate 
situations. You see, the truth of the matter is it's easier for you, it will be easier for you to find another job than it will be for you to find a father or a wife for your children or a mother for your children. Avoid all inappropriate situations. Back to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18, 19, and 20. The second point of this Proverbs text is to do whatever it takes to invest passionately in your marriage or your future marriage. Look with me at the scripture. It says, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? Put very succinctly, when the grass starts to look greener somewhere else, water your own grass. Invest in your marriage. Invest in your future spouse. Do all that you can to build her up in love. Do all that you can to build him up. Encourage one another daily. Celebrate one another's strengths. And stand behind each other in your weaknesses. Do all that you can to cultivate, to build up this marriage. Why be captivated by an adulterous woman, the Word says. This word captivated is the Hebrew word, word, Shagal. It's a word used to describe an animal capturing and eating, consuming its prey. Shagal. It can be translated to be enraged, captivated, enraptured, intoxicated, consumed. You see, that's the type of relationship we're to have with our wife. We're to have Shagal. We're to be enraptured. We're to be captivated. We're to be consumed by this relationship. We're to do all that we can to build one another up in love. We have to invest in that relationship. If you're not having the relationship that you ought to be having today, you have to ask yourself the question, what am I doing to invest in this relationship? What are we doing to build one another up in love? What are we doing to encourage one another? What are we doing to strengthen this marriage? Proverbs, he says very clearly, very clearly, that we should care for that one. The third part in Proverbs is found in verse 3, 4, and 5. Finally, do whatever it takes to visualize the destruction. Do whatever it takes to visualize for this, the destruction. Look with me, the scripture. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. I have to be honest with you. The reality is we are, are all tempted it's easy for us to get frustrated in our relationship and look to someone else. But it's a lie. Do not be deceived. It will be appealing, but it is a deception. It is an illusion. But in the end, she is as bitter as gall, as sharp as a double-edged sword. 
Verse 5 says, then help me out here, read it with me. Help me out. Her feet lead the Bible, it says. Her feet go down to what? Death. Her steps lead straight to where? The grave. Visualize it. Visualize it. Visualize the destruction. You see, it's important for us as followers of Christ not to be dragged away and enticed by the lie. We need to visualize where this choice will take us. Visualize it. Gentlemen, picture yourself sitting down with your children and saying, you know, I love you, but, but I can't live here anymore. And tell them why. Ladies, picture yourself going to your mom or your dad to your children and explaining to you, to them what you did. You see, I, I've thought about this myself. It's important for those of us who are believers to visualize the destruction. Because in doing so, it prevents us from going there. If I were to commit adultery and compromise my integrity, here's what I would do. I would drag the name of Christ through the mud. One day, I would have to stand before God and give an account for my indiscretion. I would no longer be called one of your pastors. All that I'd worked for through my adult years, my adult life, would be gone. My integrity, all that I have today, it it could never be gained back. Even if I were to go through a period of discipline and, and be restored in the ministry, my life would never be the same. Chances are, I probably would never recover personally and professionally. Now, that's the easy part. This is the hard part. I would devastate the woman that I pledged to honor, to cherish, till death do us part. Who's given me two children. Who has sacrificed for our family. Who has faithfully stood beside me year in and year out. Who has loved me faithfully. And my children. Who sincerely look at me as a man of God. might question their own faith. The admiration that they have for me now would be in question. Just a moment. Can you visualize it? Did you know that 65% of of men will have an adulterous relationship before the age of 40? 55% of women. What percent actually marry the forbidden lover? Only 3%. 75% of those marriages will end in divorce, which means the odds of the marriage of the forbidden lover is less than 1% being successful. Why? Because it's based on a lie. 
it's based on deception. What's real is at home. What's real is at home. And you need to get back and honor the covenant that God has given to you. You might say, Rex, I haven't even gone close to that, but you've wandered away in your mind. You see, we get caught up thinking it's over here. I haven't committed adultery. I would never commit adultery. And that's what they say all the way up to the time of committing adultery. I would never do that. And the reality is it started way over here. The mind, the eyes, the heart. And if we're going to stand up for that which is right and that which is pure and that which is holy and that which is just, we must be a people who are set apart for the purpose of God. And we must choose purity. Pastor Edgar is going to come and he's going to lead us in a song. And I want us to do something a little bit different today. We're going to open the altar, but I want to open it for everyone who wants to choose their life to be worship a sacrifice to God in my attitudes my thoughts my actions I want God just to consume me and I want to consume him Shagah I want to have that kind of relationship with God and I want purity to reign in my life everyone really should come and we're going to surround the altar and we're going to pray you see I believe that our world depends upon the church standing up and being the church And us pursuing holiness and righteousness and being the people of God that God has called us to be. If you're with me, let's stand together and come forward and let's pray. And we're going to close in prayer, asking God's help. Let's sing together.